You're listening to a Big Finish production. Countryside at night, lit by a low crescent moon. Silver fields of wheat swayed softly in the breeze. Otherwise, all was utterly still. No. The young soldier, in ragged army uniform, pressed on through the mud. With one arm, he brushed aside the wheat ahead of him. His other arm hung limply. He stopped at the sound, glancing quickly back the way he'd come. But there was nothing, no one, so he kept on. He ran, clearly in pain, clearly close to exhaustion. He forced himself onwards, and then he emerged from the field onto tarmac. A road stretching away into the night. Again the soldier looked back. There was nothing to see but the wheat. He ran, limping, following the road. Before long, he came to a crossroads. He hesitated, not sure which direction to take. Then he saw the light. Up ahead, two spots of dazzling brightness. A car. No, bigger. A bus. And there, across the road from him, a bus stop. He hurried to the stop. The bus grumbled ever closer, still an agonizing distance off. Come on, come on. He put his arm out, but wasn't sure the driver could see him. Hey, hello, over here. <laughs> he started to wave more desperately, grinning. Tears cut clean lines through the dirt on his face. Come on. Then the young soldier glanced back along the road. A dark figure stood there, in silhouette, pointing a cylindrical instrument. The soldier tried to run. He didn't stand a chance. Cheers, mate. Ben Jackson stepped down from the bus onto the moonlit tarmac. He wore Royal Navy uniform and carried a kit bag. Surprised, he sniffed the air. Then he shook his head. Oh, I smelt bacon. Oh, I must be hungry. Night, mate. The bus driver waved back and drove on. Alone, Ben looked around him, sniffing the air. There was only the breeze brushing over the fields of silver wheat. Ben heaved his kit bag onto his shoulder and set off down the road. He didn't see, just by where he'd been standing, the tiny, 
doll-sized corpse of the soldier. Ben lifted the latch of the gate and let himself into the narrow garden. He couldn't help but smile. The path of crazy paving led round what once had been a flower bed, now planted with cabbage and carrots. An old bath stood just to one side, and beyond that, an air raid shelter of corrugated steel. Ben followed the path to the front door of a tumble-down cottage, where his smile faltered. We're going to be late! I'd be ready if you didn't interfere. Interfere? Fine. Clean your own gun, then it won't pass muster and you'll be on a charge. <sighs> With a sigh, Ben rapped on the door. Who is it? We've got a gun. <clears throat> That's what I want to see. Inspection. The door swung open, revealing a young man in army fatigues. And now you can't come round a man's private property. What? Jamie McCrimmon stopped, dumbfounded. Hello, Jamie, mate. How's married life treating you? Before Jamie could say, he was shoved aside by Polly, also in army fatigues. She threw her arms round him, which was awkward with a rifle in her hand. What's it with that? I missed you too, Duchess. Aye, but let the poor man breathe. Polly stepped back, but still held Ben's shoulders, not able to let him go. He gazed back at her. Her hair was cut short under a field service cap. You look... you both look well. Aye, we're not bad. I'm better for seeing you. How long have they given you leave? A few nights. All right if I bunk here? I can find somewhere else. You're not going anywhere. How's it been? How's the fighting? No, of course, you can't say. It's so good you're here. We'll catch up properly as soon as we get back. You're heading out? Aye, we're already late. Somebody cleaned my rifle. We have to go, Ben. Queen and country, you know. Won't be much used to with ancient guns like that. They don't even work. Just for practice drill. I, I, I'm sure the Navy has the latest thing. But didn't you know there was a war on? Don't see much sign of it out here. He'd be surprised. Look, we really must go. Can't miss drill. They mark us down if we're even one minute late. Yeah, OK. See you later. Uh, you could always come with us. Show us how it's done. Oh, yes, do! You don't mind? It's not far into the town. No, whatever you like. I like having both my boys. Come on, we'll cut through the fields. With an arm round each of them, Polly led them away. They paid no heed to the electronic device attached to one side of the garden gate, which now came to life. Lights twittering feverishly. Moonlight glimmered over the fields. Off in the distance, Jamie, Ben and Polly made their way down the hill, arm in arm. A camera, emerging from a hedge, tracked their movements. On the back of the camera was an electronic device, just like the one on the gate. A stream babbled. Polly stopped at the narrow wooden bridge. After you two. Why? Is there something wrong with the bridge? It's because I once said ladies should go first. Yeah, well, it doesn't solve nothing. I mean, which of us two goes first? After you. Jamie, mate, I insist. Oh, come on. They looked like they might fight. Then Jamie gave Ben a piggyback. Giddy up! <laughs> oh, 
Honestly, you two are like children. They didn't see the device attached to the rail of the bridge. The three friends clambered over a stile and emerged by a road. I thought this was a shortcut. It is. The town is just up yonder. What's wrong with you? Penn's not used to country living or having to walk so far. You do this in the Navy, you'd fall in the sea. Come on, it's not much further. She linked her arms with Jamie and Ben and led them down the middle of the road. This too was observed, but not by an electronic device. At a tall window in the relative darkness, a hunched figure in army uniform watched through a pair of binoculars. In her other hand, she held a rifle. In her ear, there was an earpiece. Three of them came south-southwest down Farley Ridge and are now on the road towards us. Third one's in Royal Navy uniform. I've got eyes on two rifles. She lowered the binoculars to check the sturdy watch on her wrist. Late again, of course. She cocked her head, putting a finger up to her earpiece. Yes, sir. Understood. Moving to intercept now. She got up, closed the window and drew the curtains. They had pictures of teddy bears on them. Behind her, a child's bunk bed, a few scattered toys. She stepped neatly over the toys as she made her way out, the rifle in her hand. Elegant Georgian buildings lined the town's main street. The colonnades could have done with a touch-up of paint. Shops, a baker's, a grocer's, were closed for the night. Fresh flowers lay at the foot of a memorial to the two world wars. Otherwise, there was no sign of life. But the snares didn't work, so we just had carrots and onions. Uh, not many carrots at that. You must have smelled nice that night. A night? It's all we had for days. I bet you get fed on your ship. Oh, we do all right. Got to ration it out, haven't they? Oh. From the shadow of the buildings, the woman with the rifle stepped into the moonlight. She regarded them coolly, then grinned. You're awfully late. Ah, but then so are you. I've been put on watch. I had to tell him I'd seen you. You'll go on report. Oh, we're surely not that late, Jill. Corporal Sandbrook when I'm ticking you off. All right, Corporal. But we had a good reason. Polly, darling, you always do. Don't tell me. You were out fishing. He's rather a catch. This is leading Seaman Jackson. Arrived as we were setting off. I held him up at the door. So if anyone goes on report, it's me. You'd make a statement to that effect? Sure. Now, now don't get yourself in trouble on our account. What are they going to do? It's easy enough to check the details against the computer. Exactly. The what? The central computer will cross-check your reason for breach of the rules and come up with an appropriate penalty. It takes into account exactly how late you are, so you'd best get in sharpish. Right. Well, after you. Corporal Sandbrook, Jill, led them briskly down the street. Is the old town at this thing? I mean, there's no one about. It's after curfew. Curfew? Aye. Gotta be on guard for the enemy. There is a war on. They continued towards the church hall. As they went, they passed a street corner on which stood a battered police box. Hazard cones had been placed round it. A sign said, official notice, danger. They didn't spare it a glance.
Soldiers stood idly round the church hall. They were a motley collection, old and young, male and female, all in the same army fatigues. One man wore a rather fetching cravat. A woman had on Wellingtons instead of regulation boots. Aye, all right, all right, we're not that late. You haven't even started. Jamie was soon surrounded by other soldiers, chatting and joking, catching up. All right, Tomo, Charlie, Muriel. Polly dodged round the crowd to join an elderly soldier. Good evening, Robert. Hello, Miss Polly. I did try to tell him you'd be here. Thank you. What mood is he in? Oh, I never really know. But you'll have my support if you need it. Ben, abandoned by his friends, followed Jill to the wall, where a clipboard hung from a hook. She ticked Jamie and Polly's names on the list. What are the crossed-out names? Surely not people you've lost. In a manner of speaking, personnel deployed to the front. From this lot? We're a professional outfit. Shanahan went off today. Bit of a relief. He likes to question orders. She scored a thick black line through the name of Shanahan, Jack, Private, Third Class. All the names on the list were now either ticked or scored through. All here now, then. No need for any fuss from your CO, who isn't here himself. He'll be in his office, through the back. What's he like, your captain? Everyone seems a bit wary. I mean, in a good way. What? You ought to understand the pressure he's under. He's... well, he's... he's coming. A man emerged from a side door, attempting to slick down his untidy mop of dark hair with the flat of his hand. His grey-blue RAF greatcoat looked at least a size too big. Beneath, he wore a shirt and bow tie and a pair of checked trousers. All right, uh, into two lines, if you please. Very very nice. Uh, Then if you'd present arms, uh, those of you who have them... Well... Seems rather polished, Corporal uh, uh, Jill. Is, is there anything else? Sir, I have the night's training assignments, and the McCrimmons were late. Oh, oh dear, oh dear. Well, I'm, I'm sure that couldn't be helped. If you check with the computer, you'll find it's the third time. Aye, but there's always a good reason, you see? And who's this young fellow with you? Someone's put you in the wrong uniform. Have we uh, met before? I don't think I've had the pleasure, sir. Leading Seaman Jackson on leave for a few days. I'm why Paul and Jamie were late. Uh, you're old friends. You, you were catching up. Lost track of time. No, sir. We were... At work. Nothing's more important than making time for friends. I mean, what else is worth fighting for? Well, anybody? Uh, Must we do this again? Well, I uh, hope you don't forget who's in command. Well, then, what are we fighting for? Friendship and what else? Uh, Private uh, uh, Polly. Well, sir, you said last time cricket on the green. Uh, very good. We must play the game. Yes, Robert? Uh, Church wardens on bicycles. Not locking your front door? I should say so. Yes, all good suggestions. Well, we we keep that in mind and we'll soon lick the enemy. Well, that seems in order. At ease. Now wait, Doctor! And uh, dismissed. Uh, Thank you, everyone. uh, See you all next time. But, Doctor! Sir! Is he always like that? The motley collection of soldiers spilled from the church hall out into the street. They seemed not even to notice the cordoned-off police box. 
Polly held onto the arm of the old soldier, Robert Collins, as they made their way back up the road. Ben and Jamie tagged along. It's the horrors of the war. You sort of run away inside. But he hasn't seen any fighting. Not, not like you did. Well, I don't know what he did in the last war, or what this one is waking inside him. His hands shook. Polly took them in hers without a word. Whatever he's going through, a bit of kindness and understanding make all the difference. He's cracking up. He can't remain in charge. Well, you know I'm right. Aye. We talk it through often enough. Losing the command is sure to finish him off. We could do it. Kindly. Kindly tell him he's got to go. We put him up for a commendation and then he retires. There's no loss of face. It's an idea, isn't it? Well, what would we say he'd done to warrant commendation? Something in the last war. Someone must have an idea. None of us know him that well. Aye, and if we put him up for this, they might send someone down here to take a look. They'll see how bad he's got. So what are you saying? Do nothing? No. All right, it's too late this evening, but at the next drill we'll talk to everyone else. Well then, this isn't made. I'll see you at the next drill. Thank you, Robert. Good night. See you, mate. Aye, good night. With the last wave, Robert disappeared down a side road. Ben, Jamie and Polly continued up the main street, heading out of the town. Sorry, I, I didn't mean to... No, we have to act. Perhaps it'll help with the other thing. And what's that? Well, it's not only the doctor. With the war and everything else, well, it's not that easy to pin down to anything particular. But nothing round here feels right. After they'd gone, a figure stepped from the shadows of one of the Georgian buildings she put a finger up to her earpiece. You heard that, sir? Yes, sedition in the ranks. What are you going to do? Ben held open the garden gate for Polly and Jamie. They both followed the crazy paving, weaving round to the door of the cottage. But Ben lingered at the gate, gazing up at the night sky. Looking for enemy aircraft? The North Star. Old sailors have it. But I can't see where... You just find the plough and... Oh, it isn't there. The moon's too bright. Come on, it's freezing out here. Are you not coming in? I'll put the milk on for cocoa. If you would. Jamie, shaking his head, went inside the cottage. Is he all right with me being here? He knows there was never anything between you and me. No. He's fine, but we'd better not leave him to burn the milk. <laughs> All right. He let her take him by the hand to the front door. But he pulled away just before they went in to look back round at the garden and the night. What is it? Don't know. Must be Miss Shadow. I just had this feeling. There can't be anything here. This is home. Smiling, she ducked through the door. Ben allowed himself one last look over the garden, trying to spot something amiss. Best we're all indoors, where it's safe. He followed Polly inside. His mouth fell open, his eyes wide at the sight, but only for a moment. It looked like a cottage from outside, but inside there were no furnishings, no anything, just bare walls of hardwood a simply fashioned box. Polly stood just inside the door, arms hanging loose at her sides, head dipping forward, eyes closed. 
Jamie was just ahead of her, in exactly the same pose. And now Ben, too, standing there, unconscious, all three of them silent and still. The front door closed on the sight of them. There was just the moonlit garden, the flower beds, the path to the gate, and on the gate, the electronic device. A slender tube emerged from it and started billowing smoke. Out in the fields, the device attached to the wooden bridge also billowed smoke. As did the device on the back of the camera overlooking the hill. Fog curled thickly down the main street of the town. It shrouded the war memorial. It engulfed the police box. Tendrils of smoke reached through the open window of the child's bedroom where Jill Sandbrook had kept watch. Now her place was taken by someone else. The doctor hugged his greatcoat round himself as he stared aghast out at the thickening fog. Behind him, the door... Oh. Sorry, sir. Are you all right? He didn't answer. Jill joined him at the window. Just a touch of fog, sir. Nothing to worry about. There's something out there. Very wrong. The more I look, the more I can't seem to see. Fog now filled the garden. A gloved hand worked the latch of the gate. A figure in a Nehru suit strolled into the garden. The man, shrouded in fog, went over to the bath by the flower bed. He carried a small oblong gadget. A window in the side showed a reel of magnetic tape. The man turned a dial, then placed the box in the otherwise empty old bath. Satisfied, the man strolled up to the cottage and opened the front door. Ben, Polly and Jamie stood motionless inside. You will hear the raid in three, two, one. What's that? It's not a... Uh, an, an air raid. Down to the shelter, quick. Jamie ushered them quickly out of the cottage and round the flower bed to the shelter of corrugated steel. The man in the suit stepped lightly out of their way and they ran straight past him. In, in, quick! Ben, Polly and Jamie huddled in the confined gloom. Sounds like they're almost on top of us. It's the fog, carrying the sound up the hill. We'll be all right, you'll see. That must be the town. There was something we could do. We have to stay in here. He's right, Paul. I know, I know. Does the fog often come down like this? So thick you can't see your own nose. The last time it was like this, I, I can't think what I was going to say. Hey. It's all right. It's not just the doctor. You're all exhausted. Same thing on my ship. The war's been going on too long, bound to have an effect. Aye, it's all right to be afraid. But 
We can't let it dent our resolve. You sound just like the doctor. Do you think he's right? Who's there? Come now, Mr. McCrimmon. You of all people aren't scared. It's you! What are you doing here? Well, I was rather hoping you'd invite me into your shelter. It's not a night to be outside. Of course. Come in. Though it's even smaller on the inside. Oh, thank you. Oh, and I, uh, I thought to bring these. <gasps> Biscuits! Baked this morning. Mm. I thought I'd pop them round anyway, but now they'll offer some comfort while the enemy tire themselves out. Mm. Oh, they're good. Mm. Did you see anything of the town? I'm afraid not, what with this fog, but our friends can fend for themselves. What is it, Mr. Jackson? Sorry, but who are you? Have we met before? Of course, we've we've not been introduced. Well, I'm a, I'm a friend. To you, to these two, to the people of the town. Well, except the doctor. Why? What about the doctor? Yes, so it is like. The man's cracking up. He barely gave us any drill. I warned you before, Jamie. It's all an elaborate act. Because it's his plan. If we haven't been drilled, the enemy can walk all over us. I'm afraid we couldn't get into his office tonight. Never mind, Polly. There'll be other opportunities. I I don't like letting you down. You did your best in the circumstance. Let's just hope you're more fortunate next time. We need to find that evidence. Sorry, you think the doctor's a spy? Oh, Ben, if only it were that simple. The doctor is extremely intelligent, resourceful and devious. It will be very hard to stop his evil scheme. But we will stop him, won't we? Won't we? Uh, Yes, sir. sir. Um, Yes, sir. I'm glad you're with us, Ben. Polly and Jamie... The whole town is going to rely on your help. I'm counting on you all to defeat the Doctor. Yeah, but if it's just a case of the Doctor... No buts, Ben. You'll do whatever I say. I am the Master. And you will obey me. together in the makeshift air raid shelter. Ben, Jamie, Polly, and the mysterious man. Sorry, you think the doctor's a spy? Oh, Ben, if only it were that simple. The doctor is extremely intelligent, resourceful, and devious. It will be very hard to stop his evil scheme. But we will stop him, won't we? 
won't we? Ah, aye, yes, sir. sir. Um, yes, sir. I'm glad you're with us, Ben. Polly and JB, the whole town is going to rely on your help. I'm counting on you all to defeat the Doctor. Yeah, but if it's just a case of the Doctor... No buts, Ben. You'll do whatever I say. I am the Master. And you will obey me. What do you need us to do? We confront him. If he's a villain, we have it out with him. We don't want an unpleasant scene. Leave it out, there's a war on. He just means we should do it by the book. We could tell PC Brackett, get him to arrest the Doctor. Hmm, a commendable idea, but on what charge? Spying. Odd behaviour. Acting funny, you know. It's not enough, is it? Accusing him without good grounds could make matters worse. People in the town are already so on edge. A nasty confrontation could tip some of them over. Not everyone is as strong as you three. Aye, like old Robert Collins, whose hands are never still. We can't chance it. But we must do something. And we will, we will. Get on with our war work. But the Doctor... We'll be vigilant with him. Don't let him see that we're onto him, but, but watch him closely. And report to me the moment you have that evidence we need. You... you do trust me, don't you? Of course. A bright, sunny morning, townspeople worked on a hillside. The youngsters, led by Polly and Jill, forged ahead down the dark, muddy slope. As they went, they collected up large rocks and anything else in their path. You'll need two of you on that. Keep your back straight and lift. Jolly good. Quickly, diligently, they cleared the way for what followed. Behind them came a line of men and women, each holding a T-shaped instrument by the top horizontal bar. The vertical part reached down to just above the ground. The effect was as if it blasted a powerful current of air. As the line of people made their way down the hill, they each dug a furrow in the ground. It wasn't as easy as it looked. Oh. Ben stumbled over the instrument they'd given him, but before he dropped it, someone else reached out a hand. It floats along itself. Just keep it steady. That's what I was trying to do. Careful. I'd be better off with that thing. He nodded at the pack on Jamie's back and the connected hose in his hands. Jamie stepped back. Ah, oh, no, you don't. Not till you have more experience. I am experienced, just not pointing sticks at the ground. Oh, he'll soon get the hang of it. That stretch you've just done is no bad. Yeah, that's a bit of all right. Behind them, a third group of townspeople carried baskets on their backs, to which others, such as Robert Collins, helped themselves. They took a handful of seeds at a time, then trailed them into the freshly dug furrows. Jamie ambled up to join Robert, directing the hose at the ground. It only took the lightest shower of droplets and... Where there had been trodden earth, thick shoots now sprouted. The townspeople carried on toiling, the dark, muddy hillside was soon entirely taken up by softly undulating wheat.
Tired, muddy laborers queued with their enamel plates and mugs. Each was doled out a scoop of dark and watery stew. The workers carried their paltry meal to the tables lining the church hall. Ben sat with his friends. You could sew for miles and in no time. Just lash those furrowing gizmos to the back of a tractor and... We don't have a tractor and we couldn't spare the petrol. Really, one has to be practical. If we got it pulled by a horse... We don't have horses either. Jamie, leave them be. It's nice that Ben has a friend. She grinned. And then her smile froze as from the side door walked the doctor. His coat was still too big for him. He still looked rather scruffy, but compared to everyone else, he was distinctly clean. He dodged round and in between various workers to push in at the front of the queue. A tall, thick-set man turned to find the doctor ahead of him. <coughs> oh, I'd see you there. After you, of course. The tall man shoved past him, as did the next person in the queue. The doctor sighed and made his way to the back of the line. <sighs> Polly, watching, took Jamie's plate from him. Hey, I've no finish with that. Go and get another helping. Get it yourself if you want it. Oh, oh, hi. Acting nonchalantly, he idled to the back of the queue and joined the doctor. Jamie looked over at Polly, who nodded encouragement. So Jamie accidentally trod on the doctor's foot. Oh, clumsy oaf. Sorry, doctor. Didn't quite see you there. Ridiculous. However, could you miss me? Up the line, the tall man the doctor had pushed in front of looked round. Uh, well, I know it can't be helped, can it? A private, uh, oh, uh, McCrimmon, sir. I know. McCrimmon. Of course, uh, McCrimmon. Very good, McCrimmon. Uh, uh, you've had a productive day out on the hill? Aye. Shame you couldn't have been there. Well, my patients need me here, don't they? Especially after last night's raid. People don't sleep. The constant anxiety, this feeling they can't shake that something is terribly wrong. Picking nervously at his fingers, he stared away past Jamie. You all right? Hey, doctor. Me? Oh, right, right as rain. Just need a good meal inside me. Now, what's the hold up with this cure? Oh, now, really? He'd spotted an old woman who'd stopped to say something to a man further ahead in the line. We'll have no cue jumpers, thank you. Honestly, that's... That's exactly the sort of thing this war has been fought for. The woman and the man she'd been talking to hurriedly got out of his way. The doctor found himself next to be served. Oh, well, good. This stew certainly looks intriguing. My wife and friends are sat there. Why don't you eat with us? Your, your friends. Uh, but no, I'll eat this in my office. I've work to be getting on with. And he was gone. Jamie could only shrug apologetically at Polly. Later, the drill hall was quieter. A few weary workers finished the last of their meals. Polly and Jamie folded chairs. Could have said something, anything. He didn't give me the chance. A metal basin had been placed on one table, filled with soapy water. Ben and Jill were fighting with each other to do the huge stack of washing up. It's quicker if you just let me get on. But you're not down on the rotor. Does it matter so long as it gets done? The details are important. Where would you like this? He held up his empty plate and cutlery. 
Ben moved to take them, but Jill cut in first. Thank you, Doctor. I'll do these in a jiff. Hey, it's good you're both keen to pitch in. Now, that kind of attitude... is going to win us the war. Well, it must seem small beef compared to what you see in the Navy. Oh, uh, uh, well, you know... Uh, oh, of course. You can't talk about what you've seen. No, best not. But you long to get back to the action where one can make a real difference. Yeah, except when I try and think about it... Being on the sea. If you men want to make a difference, you can each pick up a tea towel. I, I'm not in the rotor. That's not the attitude that will win us the war. The doctor picked up a tea towel. There was only one, so Ben stood back, grinning. He made a point of not looking across the room, where Jamie, while the doctor was distracted, slipped through the side door. The small office had one table and chair both covered over in papers. Jamie didn't know quite where to start. Maps, documents, photographs, they spilled onto the floor, they were pinned all over the walls. There were stacks of files with more documents on top of them. Jamie browsed quickly through the pages on the desk. One document caught his interest. The doctor stood in the doorway, a cold expression on his face. I was looking for tea towels. Why would I keep them in here? Oh, I, uh, so, so I'll try the kitchen. You shouldn't be in here. It could jeopardise the war. I, I, I didn't see anything. I, I, I didn't mean any harm. Even so, there are rules. I should have to report this. Well, if you like, but we're all on the same side. You can tell that to the military police. Jill scrubbed at a baking tray, then passed it to Ben to dry. But Ben wasn't paying attention. He stared anxiously across the room to the side door. Polly stood near it, looking just as anxious. There's nothing wrong with the doctor, considering the weight on his shoulders. I never said anything, did I? It's our duty to support him. Sure, but you must have noticed he's... <sighs> Jamie emerged from the door, looking sheepish. Polly took a step towards him, but he shook his head and she backed off. The doctor followed Jamie and spotted old Robert Collins asleep in a chair in the corner. Lieutenant Collins? Sir. I'm putting this man in your charge. Yes, sir. Um, shall I get him a nice cup of tea? Oh, hi. That, that'd be nice. He's your prisoner. You'll hold him under guard. If he steps out of line, you have the authority to shoot him. You can't mean it. It's Jamie. I just wanted a tea towel. You can't shoot a man for that. Jill, tell him. Well... The doctor is in charge. I'm afraid I can't shoot anyone. I don't have a working gun. There's always a way. The doctor crossed to a cabinet by the wall. From his pocket, he withdrew a bunch of keys. There were rifles and grenades in the cabinet. The doctor selected a pistol, holstered in a belt, which he handed to Collins. Sir. I don't really think this is needed. Wasn't he doing anything? Our orders are clear. Collins, put that thing on. Collins nodded and fixed the belt round his waist. The doctor took another pistol in a belt from the cabinet. He undid his greatcoat and awkwardly put the belt on underneath. Now look, Doctor, I'm sure there's been a mistake. And perhaps an innocent one. But we have rules for good reason. Collins will hold the prisoner while I go out to the phone box and inform the authorities. If you're right, you'll go free. For a moment, Ben looked like he might challenge him. Then he stepped out of the doctor's way. The doctor headed for the door to find someone else in his way. Good evening, Doctor. 
I'm glad to find you at your station. You must stay at your station. I have to pop out to the phone box. Something, something about the phone box. You don't need to call anyone. I'm of senior rank, or are you questioning my command? No, of course not. So, what has this young rapscallion done? Hey, uh, I'm no one of those. He he was in my room, uh, going through my papers. uh, Said he wanted tea towels. Those those papers are secret. They're how we're going to win. We'll win, Doctor, by defeating our real enemies. Private McCrimmon, Jamie, is on the whole a good egg. He plays the game. Remember that cake he made for the church fete last year? I don't... I remember. Of course you do. Cake. Church fates. Tea towels. That's what we're fighting for. Uh, Private McCrimmon. Aye, sir. You stupid boy. The tea towels are under the sink in the kitchen. Uh, uh, Yes, sir. Uh, Sorry, sir. And and next time you want something from my office, you ask. Well, uh, enough uh, enough excitement for one evening. Uh, Is the washing up done? All present and correct, sir. Then everyone can pack off home to bed. Need, Need plenty of rest to keep ourselves fighting fit. Got a water in. Well, well then. He shuffled back to his office. That's the spirit, Doctor. The master led Ben, Polly and Jamie through the gate and into the garden of their cottage. He's off his rocker. That's not a very nice thing to say. True though, isn't it? Why react like that to Jamie going in his office if he's not got something to hide? Ah, perhaps there are secret plans he doesn't even want us to see. Or he just didn't like me knowing what a mess the room is in. But that's evidence in itself. He should keep his papers in a lot better order. You've never got away with mess like that on a ship. He turned to the master for support. The master smiled. Something does seem amiss, but it hardly counts as proof. You mean I risk getting shot for nothing? Robert would never have shot you. He's an old soldier. If you'd not turned up just when you did... I'm very glad that I did. But it wasn't Robert Collins that concerned me. How well do you get on with Jill Sandbrook? Very well. She's my friend. Yeah, she seems all right. I mean, I only just met her. She was keen to help the doctor. You think something's going on? Perhaps it's nothing. She said we should support him, whatever he might be up to. But Jill can't be a spy. Can she? It's not like she'd just come out and say. You've been very shrewd, Ben. Oh, yeah? How's that? Pretending to be her friend. Is that what you've been doing? I thought you fancied her. (laughs) Do me a favour. Do you really think Jill's a spy? Well, she might be. I'm afraid we must be certain, either way. I guess I'll have to. Well, I'll think of something. Ah, and we'll need to prove that the doctor's up to no good. But you can't risk going back into his office. A direct confrontation and you will end up getting shot. We can watch him. We can find out about Jill. That will do for now. Look, I know this isn't easy. You know something isn't right and you're eager to get stuck in. I just beg you to be patient. That's how we'll conquer the enemy. They nodded at his words, emboldened. Then he clicked his fingers. The determined looks on their faces melted away. Blankly, like sleepwalkers, they followed the path to the door of the cottage. In they went, to the box of bare wooden walls. Just as before, they stood there, arms hanging limp at their sides, heads lolling forward, unconscious but upright. The master closed the door on them. 
With a satisfied smile, he made his way back to the gate. As he passed, he brushed the electronic device on the side of it, which started to emit smoke. The next meeting of the Home Guard seemed much like the last. The men and women in uniform stood idly around. Ben, Polly and Jamie stood close together, conferring. You're both sure you want to do this? We have to do something. I can't bear to wait any longer. Ben, you know what to do? Sure, I just... Hold up. Jill had emerged from the side door. What's this shambles about? Into two lines. On the double, if you please. You're meant to act like professionals. Collins, very good. McCrimmon, are you smirking? Me, sir? Uh, no, no, sir. I should think not. Doctor, we're ready. He looked worse than ever. Stooped and exhausted. Very nice. You you look rather splendid. Shall we have them practice marching instead? Oh. Uh, that's a bit too much to ask. Uh, we're all so weary as it is. But, sir... Jill led the doctor by the arm to the side of the hall, where they spoke in whispers. The soldiers weren't sure what to make of it. Look, she's controlling the doctor. Yeah, but this is our chance. I'm not so sure. Oh, Jamie, how could you? Now no what? You couldn't have been more transparent, smirking right at Jill. Uh, now, now here, that wasn't smirking. I was just being friendly. Friendly? Oh, it's friendly, is it? Well, don't be like that, Polly, love. There's no harm in a smile. Jill's an attractive girl, that's all. Don't you tell me my business, Robert Collins. She's our friend and a senior officer. What's all this? Back into line, please, Polly. Oh, take his side, as always. He's my husband, and you can keep your paws to yourself. You can't think I've any interest in Jamie. Why not? What's wrong with me? Yes, what have you got against him? Jill was now surrounded by soldiers eager to hear her response. Flustered, she looked over at the doctor for help. He stood where she'd left him, by the wall, staring dolefully down at his shoes. Now listen, everyone, if you'll let me speak. I say, really. She was so caught up in trying to make herself heard that she didn't notice, and nor did anyone else, Ben creep through the side door. As before, the desk and chair were covered in an unruly mess of papers. Glancing back at the door to ensure no one was coming, Ben hurried to the desk and quickly went through the documents. Hang on. The page was covered in tiny printed type that he had to squint to read. Well, prints so... Genoa and Luca are now just family estates of the Bonapartes. He put down the page and checked others around it. Then he found something else. Hidden under the sprawling pages on the desk, there was a grey metal box. On one side were inserted dial and levers. From the other side led a cable. He drew in the cable and recognised the attachment on the end, instinctively holding it up to his ear. As the revelation sunk in, he turned to find the doctor stood in the doorway, a pistol in his hand. This is becoming a habit. This thing. It's a communicator. That's right. It don't look like government issue. No, it doesn't. And all these papers, they're not plans for defending the town. They're a book, a, a story. War and peace. Do you know it? Ben shook his head 
and glanced round the room, but there was nothing that would help him, not with the doctor holding a gun. The others. I sent them all home. We can't have insubordination in the ranks. I suppose that row was engineered with the McCrimmons. Don't be daft. Just took the chance when I saw it. But you're right about one thing. I'm not working alone. Intelligence sent me. They know something ain't right. You're bluffing. You're in the Navy, not intelligence. I can be in both. And I'll tell you something else. You're up to something you shouldn't be. That's why you sent them all home. So they wouldn't get involved when you followed me in here. So they wouldn't hear the shot. He raised the gun. Ben had nowhere to turn. Sweat beaded on his forehead. But the gun wavered in the doctor's hand. You can't shoot me. They're still too close by. They'll hear. Ah, I rather think you're right. He lowered the gun and stood rather forlornly, looking down at his shoes. Ben took a step towards him, and the doctor punched him. Ben collapsed, unconscious. The doctor rubbed his poor knuckles and looked nervously across the room to the open window. On the other side of the open window, crates of army supplies had been stacked, obscuring the view inside. More crates and obstacles blocked the path round the side of the building, so there seemed no chance that the soldiers huddled round the main door at the front could have heard the commotion. Jill stood on the doorstep, barring their entry back into the church hall. The doctor gave you your orders. You're to disperse home. We haven't had any drill. It isn't the first time he's finished before we've even started. Private Collins, you're talking out of turn about your commanding officer. He's the one out of turn. Jill, come on, you must see that. I'll thank you not to use my first name when we're on duty. Oh, don't pull rank. We're all in this together, aren't we? You're the one who said me and Jamie were carrying on. You did that on purpose. Uh, I will, all right. We needed a distraction so Ben had a chance to nose around. And now we need to get back in there before the doctor does anything to him. Jill, the doctor's got a gun. You know there's something not right with him. It, it's like his mind is somewhere else. You both tricked me. Jill, you're a smart girl. You know we're on the same side. He's not like himself. The pressure he's under. But she stepped aside letting them push past her into the hall. They hurried into the church hall and almost fell over the doctor. Hey, watch out! He bent over double to protect himself. And though the soldiers backed off, he remained like that in the most peculiar crouch. Stand up! Hey, we want a word with you. Hi. What are you doing with Ben? Uh, doctor, please, we all have questions. Here too, Jill. Then he stood up straight and revealed what he'd been hiding. In his arms, he clutched the grey box Ben had found before. What is it? What's he got? I've never seen it before. It's a communications relay for speaking to the enemy. The master had followed the soldiers into the church hall. Now he came forward to address the sorry sight of the doctor. You're always so full of surprises. Yes, I admit I'd not anticipated this. You've been using your initiative. Never mind that. What's he done to Ben? The doctor didn't say anything. He just stared defiantly back at the master, towering over him. See if he's in the office. Right. She ducked quickly through the side door. After a moment, she ducked back out again. There's no sign of him. 
What did you do, you monster? Aye, if you've hurt him at all... Careful, both of you. The Doctor is prepared to fight, and more than I expected. You can't help yourself, can you? Have to cause some kind of trouble. So, what have you done? That device, you've been speaking to the enemy. Then he is a spy. Quiet, he's going to say something. It wasn't just that. As the doctor gazed defiantly back at the master, he was smiling. The enemy planned to invade in a couple of weeks' time. But I think you already knew that. How would the master know what the enemy's up to? I have my sources, and we'll be ready for them. But that only made the doctor smile all the more. Rattled, the master held the doctor's gaze for a moment, then turned with horror to the door. Surely not. No! Hey, hey, no, what's that noise? What, what noise? Oh! You meddling idiot! Doctor, it cannot happen now! He is working with the enemy, and they've started their invasion! gazed defiantly back at the master, he was smiling. The enemy planned to invade in a couple of weeks' time, but I think you already knew that. How would the master know what the enemy's up to? I have my sources, and we'll be ready for them. But that only made the doctor smile all the more. Rattled, the master held the doctor's gaze for a moment, then turned with horror to the door. Not. No! Hey, hey, no, what's that noise? What, what noise? Oh! You meddling idiot! Doctor, it cannot happen now! He is working with the enemy! And they've started their invasion! No time to lose. Jamie, get the doctor's keys. Sir? We'll need the guns uh, from the uh, cabinet. Uh, 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 there's no need for violence. Those are mine. Got them! Jamie got the gun cabinet open and passed out munitions to the other soldiers. Rifles, pistols, an old bayonet. Good, good. We carry on as planned. You must repel the invaders. Everything we believe in depends on it. The home guard spilled out into the street, bearing their odd assortment of weapons. To your stations, just as we've rehearsed. Yes, sir. In the doorway, the doctor struggled in the grip of Polly and Jamie, but they held on to him tight. Keep still. You're not going anywhere. Handcuffs in the cabinet. Make sure he's secure. We don't want any more mischief. Mischief? Me? 
Come on, Doctor. We'll have to drag you. Need me so rough. Then there was just Jill and the Master. She waited for his command. He stood there, surveying the attack, a curious smile on his face, as if this were all an intriguing conundrum. Sir, what are our orders? You'll do as you've rehearsed. Defend the town, engage the enemy. Win no matter what. Sir, I can't see anything except for... A few bangs and flashes. <laughs> the Doctor does so love to turn the tables. This is merely a parlour trick. No, sir. Look! Robert hobbled towards them as fast as he could manage, leading more of the Home Guard. He pointed back the way he'd come, and upwards. Over the tops of the Georgian buildings, something moved. An enormous metal spider, crudely riveted together. A chimney at the back spewed black smoke. What is that thing? I'd have thought that was perfectly evident. It's the enemy. I'd best inform High Command. Sandbrook, bring that thing down. Yes, sir. The Master hurried away, leaving Jill with the soldiers. We'll soon have this thing in small pieces. You two with me to the heavy artillery. Robert Collins was shaking. Want to sit this one out? Not a chance, sir. Then would you care to lead the way? All right, you horrible lot. Follow me. Sir! Polly fastened old-fashioned handcuffs round the doctor's wrists. Uh, uh, too tight. My arms are hurting. It's the only place we can keep you securely. I really don't like heights. She had shackled him to a pipe running high along one wall. It was so far off the ground, she and the doctor both stood on wooden chairs. OK, done. She jumped down from her chair, swatting Jamie away as he tried to help her. Ah, well, are you sure you... You want to leave him alone? Uh, yes, you, you can't leave me. I'm not strung up like this when, when, when there's an invasion. And whose fault is that? She helped herself to the last two rifles in the cabinet on the adjacent wall. Jamie, you'll need this. You, you do know how to use a gun that works. Aye, thank you. And are you sure you don't want to stay and guard him? Do you think it's my job to nurse, maid the doctor? Or that I'm not able to carry out my duty and engage the enemy? Uh... Which one would make you more angry? You don't want to find out. Come on. This chair has a, a, a wobbly leg. Any slight move and it could tip over. I, I'll be left hanging here. Then you'd better not move about. It's your mess we've got to sort out. We'll be back as soon as we can. Yeah, but, but see here. No, no, wait. Wait, wait. Oh, crumbs. Alone, he hung sadly from the wall. That wasn't comfortable, so he shifted round. The chair tipped and almost fell but he quickly got it back on four legs. Miserably, he adopted an awkward, lopsided stance and waited. <sighs> then something caught his attention. Movement from the side door. There you are, Doctor. How did you get up there? Mr Jackson? I'll find something to get you down. I must have had a bang on the head. I can't seem to remember anything since we left the TARDIS. The TARDIS? <sighs> the TARDIS! Hooded soldiers dodged the debris in the street. Explosions bloomed around them. Above, the huge, ungainly spider ambled towards a row of buildings. It then tipped to one side, balancing so that it could raise one vast metal leg 
to deliver a terrible blow. Down the street came more soldiers. Robert led them. Jill was one of the team of ten behind, heaving the artillery gun. A vast barrel sat on a bulky carriage between two wheels that were almost as tall as the soldiers. They moved it into position with speed and skill. All right, put a place as any. The soldiers set the recoil ramps and wheel brakes, then quickly worked the controls to raise the huge barrel. Along the street, the spider lashed out again and chunks of masonry tumbled down onto the soldiers below. Robert's team stood their ground, loading a high explosive shell. Will it be enough? Mark six howitzer at this range. <laughs> I, I almost feel sorry for them. The soldiers stepped back from the gun, except for the man at the controls. There's a bulbous mass at the front of the main body. I think that must be a control cab. Give them hell! The shell tore upwards, heading right for the bulb on the top of the spider. It was a cabin with a porthole in the side, behind which floated a swollen, spiky creature, a little like a pufferfish. Three large eyes stared in wonder at the fast approaching shell. The eyes blinked, and then the spiky creature turned away. The cabin had been completely untouched by the explosion. Down on the ground, Robert stared up in horror at the massive spider looming overhead. It smashed a leg into the building. Jill yanked Robert out of the way of the falling bricks. My pleasure. Now what on earth are we going to do? Is that not obvious? You leave this to the professionals. Jamie, take the controls. Aye, sir. I won't have my town flattened by a spider. The doctor shook off the handcuffs. Oh, that's a blessed relief. Thank you, Ben. Good job there was a spare key. Here, let me. He stepped down from his chair and helped the doctor to the floor. The doctor nursed his sore wrists. Why couldn't they have used rope? I could have wriggled out of that. You remember that nice Harry Houdini? Well, he taught yeah, me... Yeah, yeah, we don't have time for that, do we? Now, what is this place, anyway? I, I don't remember anything since we left the TARDIS. We're on an ordinary high street. Georgian buildings. The colonnades reminded me of Tunbridge Wells. I remember you saying. And then... And then there was that fog. Creeping in unnaturally fast. And Polly said... Polly? What happened to Polly? Jamie too, don't forget. They were the ones who strung me up. What? Never. Why? Because they're not who they were. Neither were we until just a moment ago. Now, now you mentioned the TARDIS and it all came flooding back. I'd forgotten who I was. And I had a bump on the head. Well, thanks for that, by the way. Uh, yes, well, <clears throat> I'm sorry, but I, I wasn't myself. Uh, now, we'll find Jamie and Polly and put them straight. What? You mean we should clobber them? I'm sure there's a better way, Ben, to break whatever this is. He looked down into himself and noticed, for the first time, the greatcoat. What else is this? What am I wearing? That coat's RAF, and at least a size too big. And I'm in uniform, too. 
Someone's gone to a great deal of trouble to create new lives for us all. But why? What's this for? You know, I have this nasty feeling I've forgotten something important. Perhaps I can help you, Doctor. The Master stood in the doorway, smiling wickedly. That's impossible. You're, you're dead. As the spider advanced, soldiers fled the scene, but Robert and Jill held their positions, watching as Polly gave Jamie his orders at the controls of the gun. Bring the sights down so we're aiming at the knees. What? For once, just do as you're told! Sir! Ready when you are. explosion tore bricks and glass from the damaged building behind the spider's leg, but the leg stood firm. No, the leg shifted. The metal plate of the knee joint twisted. The spider tried to lift the leg, but the knee wouldn't budge. It tried again and... The leg snapped off at the knee. The spider faltered, but regained its balance. The falling masonry had fallen over and round its back legs. It fought to get free. Sparks of flames burst from the chimney on its back. On the ground, Polly gazed up without mercy. Fire! The shell hit the knee of the leg, now balancing the prone creature. The explosion tore through the leg, leaving twisted, smoking metal. The spider tried to compensate, but he couldn't move its other legs. It began to fall forward. Move the gun! Move the gun! The soldiers released the gun from its fixed position and hauled it out of the way as the huge spider collapsed into the street. Enormous flames sprouted from its chimney. The porthole in the cabin cracked issuing noxious fumes. Down the street, the soldiers dusted themselves down. Dirty, grinning, Jamie put an arm round his wife. Aye, nothing to it. But she didn't grin back. Her eyes were fixed on the gaping hole in the building behind the fallen spider. Something moved in the fog. Another metal spider, and more. There were dozens of the things. The master regarded the doctor and Ben with bemusement. Evidently, I survived. Now, I imagine you have a few questions. Who are you? What have you done to us, to everyone? He likes to be known as the master. You two know each other? Oh, of old. Whatever monstrous thing this is, I'll stop you, like I always have before. Yes, you do like to be a nuisance. But this time, you're powerless to even lift a finger, unless I wish you to do so. He held up a cylindrical device the size of a pen and pointed one end at the doctor. Don't move, Ben. That abominable contraption can kill. Ben had taken a step towards the master. Now he raised his hands. This isn't the device you're thinking of, doctor. It kills in a particularly grotesque manner. My calling card. But no, this device is something new. It doesn't even injure. 
Ben lunged for the master, but the master didn't flinch. He worked a control, and Ben froze on the spot. Please, don't hurt him. He won't come to any harm, which is more than can be said for you. Mr. Jackson, the doctor is a spy. Now, now hold on. What are you doing? He's betrayed us all to the enemy. Your duty is clear. Oh, wait. No, 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 wait. But Ben had turned on the doctor, a murderous look in his eyes. Two spiders pursued a group of soldiers. The soldiers hurried on, turning a corner, to find the street blocked by fallen masonry. Fight! Fight! But the spiders were almost on top of them. An enormous leg lashed out. And was hit by a shell. The soldiers picked themselves up as the spider tottered uncertainly. They streamed around its legs, one woman causing to wedge grenades into gaps around the spider's great ankle. She hurried on, just as the spider lifted its foot and... The soldiers scattered out of the way as the spider collapsed backwards, smashing into the spider immediately behind it of enormous metal limbs, they rolled together into a building which crashed down on top of them. The soldiers cheered, but down the street at the artillery gun, Polly and Jamie didn't even smile. As soon as the soldiers care to get out of the way... Aye, ready to fire. He stared down the street to where yet another spider stood, and then something suddenly grabbed him. Hey! Come on! Jill hauled him away from the controls. Whatever do you think you'd... Polly tried to intercede, but Jill simply shoved her backwards. Jamie twisted out of Jill's grip, and all three of them went sprawling. <laughs> As a spider's foot came crashing down on the gun. Ben grabbed the doctor and tried to pin him down. Please, I, I don't want to hurt you. Ben! Over by the door, the master shook his head. He's entirely under my control. Under my control? But you and I are, are old friends. Think of Votan and, and the moon. We've even done this brainwash stuff before with the macra. There's no such thing as macra. But the young man wavered. The master raised the device in his hand. Fish people, and yes men, you have to remember. I... I remember something. He released his grip on the doctor. That's it, that's it. Now fight it. And tell me what you remember. Tell me how we got here. You've always been here, Ben. You grew up in this town. I grew up in this... I don't... I don't remember. Yes, you do. We arrived in the TARDIS. You, you can't forget the TARDIS. Picture it. Blue box, pull to open. I don't... I do. I do remember. Then tell me, where are we? On Earth, of course. A little after Mr. Jackson's time. It's another planet. The people here, they used to be from Earth. 
they're trying to start again. And that's why they've gone through the history books or computers or whatever they have. They modelled their colony on a period of Earth history, like living in mock Tudor houses. And because they're already living in the past... They acquiesce to a little suggestion. You, you made them think they're under attack. The constant tension, the, the exhaustion. It makes them more susceptible to your control. They are under attack. Oh, you're right, of course. I've made you think they were air raids, and I've limited your sleep. But right now, if you were to step outside, you'd find the carnage is real. Why? Who would attack a community like this? Isn't that obvious? If this isn't Earth, it must be somewhere else. Uh, your logic is impeccable. I mean, it's somewhere else. Someone else's planet. A native population. An interesting species. Intelligent, but really aggressive. It's taken quite an effort to get them to react. They didn't mind humans settling here. What they can't abide is how insatiable you are for land. When people have gone out to work in the fields... We don't work. We sort of convert them. The more they were converted, the more the natives felt under threat. You can hardly blame them for feeling they must retaliate. They're oppressed! Your species, Mr. Jackson, are the oppressors. Jamie lay on the cracked tarmac. The huge, heavy foot of the spider was just inches to his left. He tried to scramble away, but Polly was on top of him. The foot twitched, but was tangled up in the wreckage of the gun. The spider couldn't move. Polly wriggled free of Jamie. Hey, wait! She dodged round the front of the foot to the smashed remains of the artillery gun. The huge barrel had been squished flat like an old tube of toothpaste. But the central carriage, though badly dented, was otherwise in one piece. Polly punched at the controls. What was left of the gun stirred. She scrambled back the way she'd come. Jamie was eager to help her. What are you trying to... She grabbed his arm and dragged him away. Then she spotted something. Jill! Jill lay face down in the gutter. They hurried over. She's just breathing, just about. They heaved her onto her feet. Behind them, the gun creaked and strained ever louder. This will have to go on report. You blew up our only big gun. Took a spider with it. Yes, you jolly well did. Plenty more of them to deal with. Without the gun, what are we going to do? Haven't the foggiest. Come on. The master pocketed the hypnotic device and drew out another slim cylinder. The doctor raised his hands high over his head. Ben thought it best to do the same. You see, you can be obedient. I know what that horrid thing does. I suppose that when people from the town have been sent to fight at the front... Oh, the people had to be moved around. This isn't the only town. Mr. Jackson was a couple of miles away in one of the conurbations. I had him bust back to keep the McCrimmons in line. Polly and Jamie, they're not really married? They're your closest friends, but you want them to split up. It was a distraction to, to stop you seeing what was really going on. What? What did they do to upset things? They kept asking questions. 
As you say, I kept them busy with intrigues, but some other specimens then followed their example. Some other what? Oh, he means the people in the town, people like... He glanced at the clipboard on the wall, where the names of the home guard were listed. Some had been crossed out. Uh, Private Jack Shanahan. I, I remember, kept asking about his brother. Both such inquisitive boys. That was most unfortunate. But you're just the same, Doctor. Me? What did I ever do? You were immersed in the narrative. You truly believed yourself to be captain of the Home Guard, the last line of defence. But you could never follow instructions, and you must always know best. Instead of drilling the soldiers into an effective fighting force... He tried to make peace with the enemy, so no one need get hurt. I, 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 I built a machine to contact them. I, I offered them a deal. And did they take it? Well, I thought they had. And in return you gave them what? Details of the town's defences and military strength? Of course he didn't. Well, I... Doctor, no! Those things are killing our people! I wasn't thinking straight. Polly and Jamie are out there! This study was going to show that one small community, heavily outnumbered and outgunned, could beat a superior force. Now the humans will all be wiped out, and it's all your fault! He raised the silver tube towards the Doctor, but Ben leapt at the Master's arm. The Master hit him hard, and Ben fell to the ground. The Master turned again on the Doctor. The doctor stood up straight, but when he tried to grasp his lapels, his hands didn't reach the end of the sleeves of the greatcoat. Would you mind awfully if I took this ridiculous thing off? The master nodded, so the doctor shrugged off the coat and then held it out in front of him, like a matador stalking a bull. Olay! Honestly. The master couldn't get a clear shot. He edged round the doctor, but realised too late that he no longer covered the door. The doctor threw the coat at the master and ran. The shot just missed the doctor as he hared out into the dark. The master could see no sign of the doctor. The street was littered with rubble and the bodies of soldiers. A metal spider clanked towards him. The master calmly raised the cylindrical weapon towards the huge machine, but the spider veered off down another street. The master seemed almost disappointed. Sir, master. Jill came hurrying over, leading Polly, Ben and Robert Collins. Corporal Sandbrook. I thought I said to destroy the machines. Sorry, sir. One of them stepped on our gun. There's more artillery in my tub. In a place I know. But first, I must find the doctor. But we left him handcuffed. I said you should have kept guard. Have any of you seen him? We've been a little preoccupied. If you do, shoot him on sight. Yes, sir. What about Ben, sir? We never found him. I'm afraid Mr. Jackson has been in league with the doctor. What? Oh, impossible! You must believe me. You do believe me. He betrayed us. I always knew something wasn't right over him. Where is Ben now, sir? I left him unconscious in the hall. I have to get after the doctor. Polly, perhaps you could uh, deal with Ben. She looked torn, but the master gazed powerfully into her eyes. I'll deal with him, sir. Go with her, Sandbrook. I'm sure she does her duty. Sir! All right, you lot, with me. They hurried away. The master watched them go, allowing himself a cruel smile.
Polly hurried into the hall and skidded to a halt. Ben lay prone on the floor. She raised her rifle. Her finger closed round the trigger. He opened his eyes. Seeing Polly, he smiled. Hello, Duchess. Then he saw the gun. It's all been a trick. The master's tricked us. Get on your feet or I'll shoot you where you are. Do it slowly. He got gingerly to his feet. It's me, Polly. You remember? And the Doctor and the TARDIS, Votan and whatever else. I remember what's important. The enemy have to be stopped. They're not the enemy. They're not what you think. It didn't feel right to shoot you on the floor. We have standards. That's what we're fighting for. But you couldn't understand. If you can't believe me, I don't want to carry on. Get it over. Again, she raised the gun. Again, her finger closed round the trigger. But she wavered. Ben! That's it, Paul. It's me. You can never shoot me. He took a step forward towards her and... Ben looked stricken, then fell to the ground. Polly, horrified, turned on the people now standing in the doorway. Jamie, Jill and Robert holding a smoking gun. She couldn't, but I could. Polly aimed a rifle right at Ben, but she wavered. Ben! That's it, Paul. It's me. You can never shoot me. He took a step forward towards her and... Ben looked stricken, then fell to the ground. Polly, horrified, turned on the people now standing in the doorway. Jamie, Jill and Robert holding a smoking gun. She couldn't, but I could. Polly ran over to Ben. Ben! Oh, Ben! Oh, hello, Duchess. Don't spare him any tears. But he's... we're... Hey, I remember who we are. How could we forget? Oh, Ben, I'm so sorry. What do you mean? You're on his side? Ben and Polly and me, we're here to help you. You've known for ages that something isn't right here. Please, just help me with Ben. Robert hurried over to help her. But he's a traitor. I'm not saying we let him go, but there's so many questions. All right, ask him, before he dies. He's not dying just yet. My wretched hands. I rather made a mess of that shot. I'm not complaining. Shame you couldn't miss altogether. We can get this bound up. 
Robert had a first aid kit on his belt and set to work quickly, efficiently. He clearly had experience. You! You're not from the town. You're remembering too. Someone's had us in this kind of dream. They made us think me and Jamie were married. Well, I didn't mind that so much. It's the enemy. It must be. The real enemy, you mean? The doctor? No. The doctor's our friend. The guy behind this is the master. Uh, what? But it can't be. Of course it is. Why couldn't we see it before? He's got this tube thing. It makes you think whatever he tells you. And there's something about the fog. We should find him. He went out after the doctor. And that gives us a little time. For what? It's restricted information. But there's something you should see. A spider lashed out at an elegant frontage of buildings. Dodging the falling bricks, Jill led the others to the corner of the street and pointed away and upward. On the hillside overlooking the town, He'd be up there, and I'd take direct orders through an earpiece. Well, not anymore. Jamie, Polly and the wounded Ben, leaning on Robert's shoulder, struggled to see where Jill pointed. From the clip at his waist, Jamie pulled out his binoculars. Through the shifting fog could be seen a squat building, a line of narrow windows, a balcony and a flagpole with the tattered remains of a flag. When we talk about the central computer, that's where it is. It's been there the whole time. He made us ignore it. But not anymore. Jamie lowered his binoculars. Can he see anyone up there? Then we get in and find out what he's been up to. I'm sure he'll have laid traps. We'll send two people up there. They're less likely to be spotted than all of us. And if something happens to them, then we can send two more. Ah, cheery thought. I'll go. You've been shot! Yes, I won't be much use down here. But I've stood up to him before. The way he muddles your head. I'll go with him. Make sure he's all right. Now, wait a moment! I'd remind you that I'm in command. All right, you two. Get moving. Be careful! And you! What do we do in the meantime? Our jobs. The flames from down the hill cast flickering shadows on the balcony. A figure emerged from the squat building to look out over the town. The master regarded the carnage below with smug satisfaction. He had a glass of brandy in his hand and he took a sip. The light from the fire danced in the narrow windows behind him. Sandbags were piled up around the low single door through which sneaked Jamie and Ben. There was row after row of machines. Intricate workings clanked and clicked in sequence. Dials stuttered and whirred. Ben and Jamie made their way through the labyrinth, Jamie with hands clamped tight over his ears. A metal arm jabbed at them and they jumped but it was simply part of the mechanism for the calculations. Ben gestured and they made their way up an aisle between the machines. A ladder led to a mezzanine that let them look over the vast array. There was also a bay window. 
They were on the other side of the complex from the balcony where they'd crept past the master. Here, they looked out on a scene of awesome desolation. A huge radio transmitter, like the ones on Earth in Ben's time, but set amid a landscape of barren craters. Yes, just like on the moon. How would you know what the moon... Oh, yeah. How can we forget all that? And the Doctor. He's our friend. I'm very glad you still think so. Doctor! Hello, Jamie. Ben, uh, sorry about this. He came forward, his hands raised, because behind him, the Master held his cylindrical device. How kind of you all to visit. Who are you, anyway? He's from the same place as the Doctor. They're old rivals. Once we were even good friends. Please, for old time's sake, you can end the fighting. The war is almost over. The experiment has run its course. Really, I should thank you. The findings will prove of great value. There's no need to let it go on, please. All right. Let's finish it now, shall we? He reached up a gloved finger and pressed a stud in his ear. Commander Lord Imperial, you can finish off the few of them left. What? No! Destroy the humans. Every last one. Polly, Jill and Robert picked their way through the carcass of a building. A bunk bed protruded from a heap of bricks, and a teddy bear abandoned beside it. We use this house as a lookout for things coming into town. If it had strategic value, that's probably why they destroyed it. A spider strode towards them. Watch out! They scrambled back as laser blasts slammed into the rubble around them. Jill ran for cover. The spider's gun followed her. No, you don't. Hey! Down here! The spider turned, the gun now directed at Polly. Not the best idea. In the master's base, up on the hillside. But it's unnecessary. You don't need to kill anyone. It's not me doing the killing. But I'm afraid I cannot let you live, Doctor. You'd only report back to them. To them? Who who does he mean? Their own people, whoever that is. I told you before, we arrived here by accident. That would be quite a coincidence. The TARDIS must have latched onto your signals or or something along those lines, but... Oh, I I don't suppose it matters. You could let these two live. Even take them home. No, wait! I'm not going to do anything. But you, dear Doctor... He raised the cylindrical device. No, it's it's in my head. He pressed his hands over his ears, his face crumpling in agony. Stop it! Stop it! What is it? What's the matter with him? The master's killing him! Not at all. See? There was now a serene smile on the doctor's face. Taking him over? But he beat your control! And it's taken considerable work to increase the effect. But this is an individualized signal keyed to the Doctor's own body print. You monster! I could so easily kill him or cause permanent terrible pain. So then, you're not going to kill the Doctor? I'm not going to do anything. But he is going to go back down to the town and lead the fight against the spiders. But how? We don't stand a chance. It's the principle that's important. A gloriously futile gesture. And when our people come to investigate, they'll find it all quite explicable. 
Off you go. Doctor, no! Ben! They fell back and found themselves covered by the master, the device in his hands. Helpless, they watched the doctor stroll away to his doom. Spider fired down at Polly. Robert threw himself into her and they both tumbled over the rubble. Down the street, a couple of soldiers fired pistols up at the spider. It headed off in pursuit. Polly? Robert? I think I'm in one piece. Robert, you saved my life. Robert? I, I am all right. More or less. He lay strewn across the rubble, his uniform torn and bloody, a sizable wound in his chest. Polly scrambled over. Whatever were you thinking? Uh, uh, that's the thing about being a soldier. The way you're drilled. If I'd been thinking, I, I, I wouldn't have done it. Oh, Robert. He's gone. There's nothing I could do. There is. There always is. Jill wasn't looking at Robert. She was staring after the spider. We can't possibly win. Maybe not. But we still put up a good fight. The master regarded Ben and Jamie where they lay at his feet. He raised the cylindrical weapon. There's one thing I wouldn't mind knowing. You mean as a last request? <sighs> Very well. Why? Why all this? Brainwashing people, putting them in uniform. The lengths you must have gone to. Why all that palaver? It's an experiment in control. The governments of your own time conduct programs on similar lines. How do you make people buy a certain brand of washing powder or vote for a particular candidate? That's nothing like a war! It's the same principle. And the program here has yielded credible data. A small community of non-professional soldiers can hold their own against a vastly superior force. Everyone in the town becomes a better fighter because of what you make them believe. I understand what they want to believe. They want what I offer them. The simplicity of the narrative. Real life is complex and difficult. To Ben's horror, Jamie nodded along. You can't think this is a good idea. Oh, that's a lot in the town. They hardly know the right end of a gun, but you make them believe in the story, and there's none so effective. This could make a real difference in a battle, and be worth a bit too. I'm not motivated by anything so low as money. No, he enjoys this kind of thing. Jamie, he's had us all on strings like puppets. Ah, well, he's in command. What else do you expect? You've got to him, haven't you? More of that brainwash. No, this is something unexpected. His real experience means he can see the broader picture and you approve. Well, there's things I don't like. Lassie's caught up in the fighting, even giving orders. Jamie's? What, you want Polly going to war? Well, no. Well, there, there you are then. If you ask me, I mean, well, if I'd been running this thing of yours. That could be arranged. What, Jamie? No! 
Think what the doctor would say. The doctor isn't here. But Jamie couldn't help himself. As he said the words, he glanced down one aisle of machines. And the master saw. I see. Doctor! Step out where I can see you, or I'll execute your friends. All right. Here I am. Why don't you join us up here? Then you didn't really mean all that. Of course not. Who do you think I am? The doctor joined them on the mezzanine overlooking the machines. Hello again. You are meant to be down in the town. Uh, yes, well, uh, fool me once. Shame on you. <coughs> fool me twice, well, shame on you again. But the coercive impulse... Oh, of... it's most effective. I would have done anything to defeat the enemy, even given my life. But when I got outside and looked down on the destruction, I, I knew it wouldn't do any good. We're not strong enough to defeat the spiders with brute force. You have to use your brain. Exactly. So I got thinking. Uh, and the more I thought, uh, well, there wasn't an answer. Nothing made any sense, like pulling at a thread. So I, um, I tiptoed in here, and while you were all talking, I set your machines to self-destruct. He beamed mischievously at the Master, but the Master only smiled back. He reached out a hand for a lever on a nearby wall. Oh, you can't reverse it. And neither can you. He pulled the lever. The coercive impulse remains for 12 hours in humans. You'll never convince them to abandon the town, but you're welcome to try. The Master's got a TARDIS! It's a whole wall! Below them, the avenues of machines began to spark and smoke. That's the least of our problems. Out of here, quickly! Weary, battered, her uniform torn, Polly staggered on down the street. Huge spider pursued her. Polly tried to hurry on, but couldn't go any faster. She was so exhausted, she was ready to drop. But she turned, resignedly, to face the monstrous metal thing bearing down on her. All right, then. On her words, figures appeared from the shadows. Ragged, dirty soldiers, but moving fast with sticks and ropes. They threaded in and out of the spider's legs. Jill among them checked what had been done, then gave Polly a thumbs up. Polly's look of exhaustion became a wide grin. See you later, alligator. She ran, tearing away up the street at speed. The spider tried to follow, but its legs tangled up in the ropes. The soldiers pulled on the ropes, which pulled the creature's legs tightly together. and was otherwise defenseless. Realizing this, the soldiers grew bold. They knocked on its metal hull. Then a brave individual climbed onto the spider. Others joined her. They were wary of the chimney belching putrid black smoke. Their interest was in the bulb of the cockpit. 
Through the porthole, they could see a horrified, spiky creature. Break the glass! Get it out! No, wait! You don't! We've got it! We've captured it! Now we string it up! Yay! We can't just kill it! After what it and things like it have done to our town! We want it alive because we can use it! It might answer our questions or we can use it to bargain! You said we needed weapons. This is it! All right, but we still need it out of there. Smash the glass! Yay! No! Stop! Now! All of you, stop! The doctor leapt up onto the fallen spider and pushed his way through the soldiers. I order you all to get back. This is not the way! We don't have anything else. We have to use it! Polly! This isn't you! Ah, the, the, the master! He's still on her head! You weren't here. You don't know what it's been like with these things. Robert's dead. So many people are dead. That's more than enough reason to stop all the killing. You don't understand, Doctor. This is our chance to win. And we are going to win! Yay! But what are we fighting for? What, what are we defending? This town is, is more than the buildings. It, it's all of us and, and what we make it. The church fate. You, you, you remember that? I, uh, I made a cake. But wait, there's no real memory. But it's still what you think is important. Not locking your front door. Cricket on the green. The way we treat our prisoners. They looked torn and tired and ready to follow him. And then, down the street, three spiders emerged into view. The soldiers turned to run, but four more spiders cut off the only escape. Guns trained on the soldiers, standing on and around the fallen prone spider. The doctor started to raise his hands in surrender, and then stopped and clutched his braces. He stepped forward, staring resolutely up at the nearest of the spiders. Doctor, what are you going to do? I'm sure something will occur to me. The spider approached, towering over the strange little man. Sunlight picked over the ruin of the town. Many of the old buildings had been destroyed. Unruly heaps of rubble, all that remained. Others lacked walls or windows or had been damaged by fire. Spiders probed the wreckage with their long, sinuous legs. broken off part of a wall materialised at the edge of the street, leaning precariously against what had been the butcher shop. The newly arrived fragment looked so in keeping, it could easily have been part of the destroyed upstairs. The piece of wall contained a window, the glass still intact but warped and grey from exposure to fire. The window opened and out stepped the master, immaculate in his suit. He surveyed the devastation around him and flinched at a sudden near sound. Don't worry, only me. Tired and covered in muck, Polly limped over. The master raised his cylindrical device, but she hardly seemed to notice. To his surprise, she carried on past him. The war ended just before dawn. You can put that in your report. Glad to see you in one piece. She was some distance from him now, 
headed in the direction of the spiders. Her expression was blank. The master glanced round the street, but there was no other sign of movement, of life. He considered, then followed Polly. Are there many of you left? Not enough to resist them. We tried looking for other survivors. We found one girl. Her leg was pretty bad. The spiders finished her off. They must have a set number they will allow to live. So now you're here, one of us must be for it. I'm sure that won't be necessary. You've done well to survive. When I've concluded my survey, how would you like to go home? She stopped. He waited for her to speak, and when she didn't, he took a step closer. Tears streamed down her face. The master reached out a gloved hand to her, and then thought better of it. He looked around, awkwardly. We could leave now. I can always come back another time for the data. You need to see what you've done. She brushed him aside to continue up the street. Ahead of them, where the spider was working through the mound of debris, lay a body. From under a blanket protruded two feet, one with a boot on it, the other just a stripy sock. No, not a blanket, an RAF greatcoat. The master hurried over. He drew back the coat and looked down on the staring, still face of the doctor. Surely not. He took the full blast of a spider's gun, trying to save Jill. It didn't work, but the doctor almost survived. He managed to tell us there was a process, something that would save him, but we had to get him back to the TARDIS. Ben and Jamie carried him, but they weren't fast enough. She nodded across the rubble to where two more bodies lay. They died trying to save their friend. Everyone died because of you! I didn't start the war. I didn't bring humans to this planet or help them build their town. You stoked up both sides. You could have tried to make peace. There was never a peaceful solution. That's what made it ideal for my experiment. I'll use it. Perhaps you'd like to see what this has all been for. What? You can stay here, or you can come back with me to my TARDIS. Your ship has been taken care of, sir. The master whirled round to find Jill and a line of other soldiers all aiming guns at him. <sighs> with a sigh, he reached for the cylindrical device in his pocket. But it wasn't there. Looking for this... The master raised his hands. That was rather accomplished. Uh, oh, yes, wasn't it? A very moving performance, Polly. Doctor, you had the whole town pretend to be dead. Why? Is that not obvious? To get you away from your TARDIS. Which has now been mothballed. You will release it. You will release me. You will release me. The soldiers wavered, caught under his spell. But the approach of a spider brought them back to their senses. The spider's gun fired a jagged beam of energy. The master fell back under the onslaught. When the dust cleared, he was sitting on the bricks, his suit covered in muck and his hair all standing on end. 
Mind control is banned in interspecies warfare under Article 414 of the Convention. Oh dear. It seems someone reminded these creatures of the relevant bits of galactic law, which is just as well as I gather there's going to be quite a court hearing with you as the star. In other words, Sunshine, you're nicked. The doctor tore away the warning sign on the TARDIS. Then he pressed his hands fondly against the ship. Imagine forgetting you. You're not staying for the trial? Oh, oh Jill, you startled me. Uh, what a lovely day, don't you think? You could be the star witness. Oh, the, the natives here seem to have it all in hand. They're immune to his mind tricks and their, their sticklers for the rules. I'd, I'd only be in their way. The case is going to make galactic news. We came to this planet to get away from all that. That's why you're leaving too. Oh, what has the Master told you? That you're a criminal on the run? I know he'd say jolly well anything, but he made it sound rather convincing. What I did, I paid for, as did those who were close to me. He told me some of that too. He said... Can we not stay a little while longer? Yes, come on, Doctor. I want to see the Master in the dock. The spiders, the lot in the spiders, reckon he could get as much as 1,000 years. And when the Master said he wanted an independent tribunal, they said they'd ask his own people. You should have seen his face. The Doctor looked horrified. That's why we need to go, isn't it? The Master's in safe hands with the people here. And we can leave Jill to negotiate a lasting peace between them and the humans. You could all live together happily ever after. Um, we're after something quite different. No integration, entirely separate communities. We stick to our own. What? Why? The war's over! We came here to get away. To be just ourselves. Living in a kind of made-up version of history. The good old days made real. Things were simpler in the past. What? Hey, let me tell you. Jamie, it's not our fight. But Doctor, you know they're wrong. Surely you want to help put that right. Oh, it's, it's, it's very tempting. How about it, Jill? I, I could broker terms. Uh, you've so much to learn from each other. It's not what we want. You'd have to force us. Wouldn't that be simpler? You will integrate with the spiders. You will obey me. You will obey me. Oh, no, no. No, I could never do anything so despicable. Uh, <clears throat> yes, right, you three, uh, into the TARDIS. Well, uh, so long then. Jamie patted Jill on the arm and ducked into the TARDIS. Polly gave Jill a kiss on the cheek. Ben looked like he might also kiss Jill. Ben wasn't sure, did an awkward cheery wave and was gone. Jill stared blankly after them. The doctor, looking guilty, followed his friends into the TARDIS. The sound seemed to bring Jill to her senses. Up the street, a spider was busy repairing one of the buildings. <sighs> right then. She marched purposefully towards it.
You've been listening to Doctor Who, The Early Adventures. Home Guard by Simon Gurrier. Polly was played by Annika Wills. Jamie and the Doctor by Fraser Hines. The Master, James Dreyfus. Jill Sandbrook, Molly Hansen. And Robert Collins, Brian Murphy. Other parts were played by members of the cast. The script editor was John Dorney. The producer, David Richardson. The director, Lisa Bowerman. The executive producers, Nicholas Briggs and Jason Haig Ellery. It's making a noise. That must mean there's another time machine out there. It's another police box. Hold on, everybody. Coming soon from Big Finish Productions. Doctor Who, The Early Adventures. Daughter of the Gods. Hold tight, my dear. Grab hold of the ship. What is happening? But it can't be. Doctor? Doctor, what's wrong? I'm going to be your pilot, apparently. My name is... Stephen Taylor. My name is Katerina. Doctor, she still thinks she's dead. Our enemies are upon us. You must leave the planet before it is too late. This is the Chancellor of the planet Urbinia. What is your purpose? Extermination! Daleks! Big finish. We love stories. People of Urbinia, listen to me. This is the Doctor! The Doctor? Of course. But why can't I remember? <laughs>